But the primary thing is trust the, trust the Bible. Trust the Word of God because there's sometimes that I, I mean, I'm just I'm going to miss it. And uh, I ask your forgiveness for that when I do. Um, and I'm glad to recant when I do. But, um, um, but the Word of God can be trusted. Um, you know, it sometimes um, get, around, get around folks that are, are skeptics, doubters, people that aren't Christians. And a conversation I've had over and over uh, with people that are not Christians that know they're not Christians is that, uh, you know, as they maybe you talk about, you know, well, you know, if you went to a church, what would you expect? Or, you know, what, what do you think about Christianity and all that? And over and over, do you know what I've heard and what others have heard is they've said, they've said, you know what, what I would really want if I went to a church or, or, if, or what I would respect of a Christian is if they teach the Bible rather than just their opinions, you know? And, and uh, that's not the, why, the reason why we do it, but man, that's a wonderful that's a wonderful support to say that's, that's a reason why. We just want, we want to teach the Bible. Um, and so if you're in here and you're like, well, but I don't really trust the Bible, Dave. Well, let, let's get together. Let's go grab some coffee. And let's talk more about that because there are many reasons why you can trust the Bible as being a historical document. It's not myth. It's not legend. Um, it's not even near those categories historical and the supernatural things that are in there are real. They're meant to be perceived as real. And the God that it talks about is not just this faraway God, but it's a God that loves you and loves me and wants to engage into our lives. And so I invite you guys, as we're in this story today, that you would engage with me in, into the Bible. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 24. We're going to cover the entire story uh, today, the entire chapter of Isaac and Rebekah. Um, it is July 4th, and uh, um, going to be lots of fireworks later on, and we're, we're, we're uh, going to be in this story about, about Isaac and Rebecca being, being um, put together, uh, come together for an arranged marriage, and uh, you better believe that there were some fireworks that went off when these guys ended up meeting. I remember meeting Danielle, and I'm going to go into all that story. Some of y'all have heard that several times, but man, it, it was fireworks when I saw her. It was even greater later on as I got to know her heart, find out who she was. One of the greatest nights of fireworks was the first kiss. And I'm not going to go into all the details of that except for on that front porch uh, when I had dropped her off. And uh, I actually did something I'd never done before. I, I asked permission. I said, I said, would it be okay for you, for, would it be okay with you if I kissed you? And you're like, well, that kind of, you know stops the momentum, doesn't it, Dave? You know, and I was like, and it did. It was, it was kind of awkward, but, uh, um, but I, I, I was like, I want to try this and see if it works. It worked, and uh, there was great fireworks, and, and she ended up, there was great, uh, great respect uh, for that. Um, so there's some fireworks in this story, um, uh, in this arranged marriage that happened. Um, we're in ja- Genesis chapter 24. Uh, let's begin reading in verse 1. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Now, just to back it up, um, Abraham had just lost his wife, Sarah, uh, which Eric preached on last week. Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh that, you may sw- that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife from my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife from my son Isaac. 
So again, bridging back to last week into Genesis chapter 23, uh, Abraham had just lost Sarah, and Abraham was a nomad. You know, he's got probably thousands of people that, that followed him in this, this, this clan and, and the people that, that were a part of, a part of his provision. And, and yet he spent a fortune on a field with a cave to bury his wife in Canaan. Now, you have to ask yourself, why in the world would a nomad spend a fortune in a land that was not his own to bury his wife? I mean, you bury your wife. You know, I mean, how many of you, how many of you guys, sometime in this last year, you've gone to a gravesite to, to honor the memory of, of somebody in your family? Anybody in the last year? Um, that's something that we do. We, we know as, as Christians, we don't believe that they're there, but we go there to honor to honor uh, and to remember. Um, it's a memorial. You know, but if you're a nomad and you live 100 miles away or 500 or 1,000 miles away, or I mean, you know, you, it's, not, it's not a relevant thing. You don't, you don't just go hundreds of miles to go and visit every once in a while the, the, the cave, the, the grave by which, you know, your spouse was buried. So why did he do that? Um, it's because he believed, he believed that this was his land. He didn't own anything before he bought that cave. But he believed this was the land that God had promised to give him. And that this was going to be the land by which God was going to create a people that would bless the entire world. And so this nomad said, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll get my chain yanked a little bit. And I will pay an exorbitant amount of money to buy this because, you know what, I believe God. And this is my land anyway. Now, I just want to pause there for a second because this is powerful. Because God, he's brought, some, many of y'all, you live right here in the metro Huntsville area. And God has brought you here. You may have been raised here. You may have been transferred here. You may have moved here after school. You may have come here kicking and screaming. But God has brought you here. And there's a purpose that God has for you in this land. God wants for us to know that there is a mission that we have. And though, I mean, God even says that for, for Christians, people in the family of God, that, that we're aliens, that we don't even belong to this land. But God wants us to live into this, in this land. And He wants us to bring good news to this land. He wants us to actually be good news in a land by which we're nomads and travelers. And so God says, plant roots plant roots. And there's something that, you, that, that even goes beyond that, which is, which is you need to make sure that you connect well with people of faith in community, in marriage, and in family. So that's what's going on here uh, in this story. God believed, uh, excuse me, uh, Abraham believed God. He had been married for somewhere around 75 to 100 years to Sarah. Can you imagine that? Uh, we had a, a 50th wedding anniversary within our family yesterday at the lake house. There was over 80 people all crammed. Some of y'all been in my folks' boathouse. There's 80 people in the boathouse, you know. And we're like, we're like, this is too many people. And we started pushing them in the water, you know. Get, just get out here. Here's a life jacket. Float around for a while. I mean, 50 years that this uncle and aunt of mine had, had been married. And, and I mean, that's, that's a long time. Can you imagine 75 a hundred years. Can you imagine their perspective? And this is, this is the Bible says, this is Abraham and Sarah. 
And they, they, they were people of faith. And you're like, now wait a second, Dave, wait a second. We spent a lot of time kind of really, really poking at them and talking about the, the idiot things, the stupid things, the rebellious things that they did that were not godly at all. How can we call them godly? Now, now just imagine for just a moment that you were in, it was your story instead of Abraham and Sarah's story. And, and for the sake of God's glory, God decides that he's going to pull some of the most stupid things that you've done and he's going to reveal it to like everybody, you know, millions and billions of people in, in the future are going to reveal all those things, all right? Now, first of all, I'm not signing up for that, okay? But, but those, those stupid things are not, the, not what define you and me. At least, they're not intended to be. We, we do look at some of the things that they did, but they were moments in which through their failures, man, God swooped in with love but also clarity to be able to say, that's not, that's not my design for you. And so he, he drew them in and he changed their hearts and we can look at Abraham and Sarah as being, as being models for us. They're not the greatest heroes. The heroes of the story is always Jesus because he never, he never messes up. The hero of the story is God. And we, we look forward to him, but, but they were married all this time, Abraham loved Sarah, and he knew how important it was with this promise that God had to change the world through their children, and he's like, man, we got to make sure that we get the right wife, we're not going to leave this land, this is our land, but don't marry, don't marry and let your worldview be influenced by the people of this land. Does that sound kind of familiar? God has called us. We're in this, in this world. We're in this world. We're, God so loved the world. He doesn't despise the world. God loves the world. He loves it so much He sent Jesus. And, and so what He wants us to do is, first of all, we need Jesus because we've, we were a part of the world, or maybe still are, and we need Jesus and then we're to take that same Jesus into our world, but we're not, to, we're not to be subdued by the world's philosophies and the world's worldview. Rather, we're to take Jesus there. And Abraham knew we cannot have, we can't have an intermarriage between someone of a different world philosophy that worships a different God because the mission is too vital. Do you know that the mission God has for your life is, is vital? You may look and just say, well, no, man, I'm just I'm a peon, Dave. I mean, it's, you know, God's not going to do much in my life. You may, be, you may be a student in here and you're just like, man, I, <laughs> I, mean, I, I, don't, I can't even, I, I'm not even, you know, I'm 16, I can't even shave yet, you know. And I mean, I, there's, what, what's God going to do with my life? You know, if you're a girl, it's pretty good if you're not shaving it. But uh, it's like, what, God, what can God do with my life? And, and God and God's like, I have dreams for you and a destiny for you that you cannot imagine. You can't imagine it. So every one of you, I'm telling you, God is dreaming dreams for you. Not for your comfort. Not so that you become the wealthiest person and the most influential person and life is easy. That's not, that's not what Jesus' example was. He came to live and to die and to suffer for us and He calls us to a life of suffering and following Him. So it's always going to be informed by that. But God, He wants us to know that He has a destiny that brings great glory to Him that's going to change the world, the people that are around you, and it also be for your best. So believe that. 
And so this is important. Abraham, I mean, he's towards the end of it. I mean, he, he's lost, he lost Sarah, and he's going to live for years, years past. But he's, he, he's, he's, uh, he's like, man, I, I have to make sure, I have to make sure Isaac has a godly wife. And so he sends Eliezer, the chief administrator of Abe's household. This is his most trusted uh, employee servant. This is a, this person that is like, man, if I'm going to trust anyone to make sure this is done, it's going to be Eleazar um, to get the right wife for Isaac. Verse 5, the servant said to him, perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, see to it that you do not take my son back there. Do you hear that? So he's, he's also saying, no, don't, no, don't take him back to where we came from. This is where the mission is. The mission is right here. But don't get someone with the worldviews from here. The, the people I trust are the people, are the people back there. And so we need, we need the both end. You need to go and find them. Abraham said, the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, who spoke to me and swore to me, and this is it. It's like this is, we talk about the gospel a lot, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ being the hope of the world. Well, this was the good news that, that uh, a- Abraham had been given by God, which was, to your offspring I will give this land. You know, it's like, and, he, and the, the promise went further, and I will bless all the nations of the world through you, Abraham. So it's like, we, we can't mess this up. We've got to keep going back to the, the gospel, the good news, that God is going to do something great through us, and, and, and we've, if you've been around long enough, we, you know that the great thing he was going to do, it wasn't about Abraham, it wasn't about Isaac, it wasn't about Jacob, it was that Jesus was going to come through his lineage, and he was going to be the Savior of the world. He will send his angel before you, you shall take a wife from my son from there, but if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine, only you must not take my son back there, he says it again. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this mat- matter. This is not a, 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 um, a piece of culture that we use. We don't stick our hands underneath, underneath the hamstring of somebody else to make promises. But that was something that it was like, okay, if, you know, you do this, you put it under my leg. It's like, man, you know, you know that this is vital, this is important, and you're going to press forward uh, with this. Um, I, I've, told, I've told this story before, but it's very relevant to this. Um, it was either 1990 or 1991, um, and in, I was engaged to Danielle. We were driving in Lynchburg, Virginia, had my arm around her, and the song came on. And I want to read you the lyrics. I've never done this. I'm going to read, this, read these to you. Um, the song is called Somewhere in the World, and it said, Somewhere in the World... Today, a little girl will go out to play, all dressed up in mama's clothes, at least the way I suppose it it goes. Somewhere in the world tonight, before she reaches to turn out the light, she'll be praying from a tender heart, a simple prayer that's a work of art. And I don't even know her name, but I'm praying for her just the same, that the Lord will write his name upon her heart. Because somewhere in the course of this life, a little boy will need a godly wife. So hold on to Jesus, baby, wherever you are. Somewhere in the world out there, that little girl is learning how to care. She's picking up her mama's charms or maybe swinging around in her daddy's arms. Somewhere in the world to be, though the future's not really clear to me, theirs could be a tender love 
grounded in eternal love above. And I don't even know her name, but I'm praying for her just the same, that the Lord would hold her right to his heart. Because somewhere in the course of this life, my little boy will need a godly wife. So hold on to Jesus, baby, wherever you are. And it was at that moment that this culmination, this, this aha moment I had of like, holy mackerel. My, my parents, when I was a boy, before they ever taught me, my parents were praying for a little girl, for their little boy to marry someday. Praying for her. And, 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 uh, and, and I realized they, they taught me to pray for that little girl. And I did. I prayed for her. I didn't know who she was. And believe me, I was looking for her in every classroom that I had. In every playground. I was like, where is she? I was ready to get married. And, uh, but finally, finally I met her. And, and, and in, in this time, and I got my arm around her. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, my goodness, all those years my parents were praying for Danielle. Though they didn't know her. All those years I was praying for Danielle. Though I did not Knower. Parents, it's so important. I mean, we got, we, we're just like, we're, we're growing in this church by having babies. It's unbelievable, you know. Uh, we have some happy married people, all right? And it's, it's there, there's babies being born. There's pregnancies around here. And, and I, I want to just challenge you who are parents in here that right now that you pray, pray for the parents of the future spouse of your kids and pray for those kids as well. Pray for them weekly. God may lead you daily to pray for them. I'm telling you, there's some stories that we could tell in matching up, you know, just in, in Danielle's own life of how God, God intervened and he blessed and protected and did amazing things in her life as a result of the prayers of, of my parents. Some of y'all in here, and you're, and you're like, well, I'm, you, I'm, not a, I'm not a parent. I'm not even married. I'm not even out of high school. You know what you need to be doing? You need to be praying for your future spouse. You need to be praying for her parents. You need to be praying for his parents. Because you know what? Somewhere in the world, there they are. And those prayers don't fall flat. It's not just hope. It's not just like, oh, I want to be married someday. I'm telling you, if you pray, for that future spouse. You pray for those parents. God will intervene. He will work in their life. And though you may not find it till 100 years from now, because we probably won't be living then, when Jesus reveals, you know what? When I led you to pray back when you were 10, you prayed for the parents. Did you know that they, they were on the verge of divorce? But I, I brought some counselors into their life or I, I helped them to understand the gospel, and I used your prayers as a, being catalytic in their life. And, you, and you're just going to go, you're going to go, you're kidding me. And you're like, yeah. You know, and, and people, or there'll be people that'll, that they'll come up to you and, and they're from, from that family or whatever, and, and, and they're going to say, man, God just revealed to me how your prayers was instrumental in my salvation. I'll take it for granted. Pray, pray. So Abe, he, uh, had, he had Eleazar, he said, he said, I want you to swear. I want, you to, I want you to swear. And you know who he had him swear to? He said, I want you to swear to the God of creation. Do you know why he did that? Because he said, look, right here in Canaan, and even back where you're going, there are people, they worship all kinds of other gods. And some of them, they worship the earth. Or they worship the sea. They worship gods that they create. 
And I'm telling you, you're not, your allegiance is not to these other worldviews. Your allegiance is to my God. Now, and he's not twisting his arm and just to where he's like, ah, okay. This is a man that he trusts. This is a man that, that Abraham had pastored and shepherd, shepherded and discipled. He he'd poured his life into it because he would not have trusted this to anyone else other than someone who said, my life is in your hands, God of Abraham. But he reminded him, he said, look, this is all about the real God, not these other gods. This is important. Do not find a wife among the pagans. Now, now listen to me. If, if, if you're in here and, or you're listening to this, and maybe, you're, maybe if you're not a Christian, first of all, if you're in here, man, welcome. It's sure good to have you. Um, now, if you're listening to this, welcome. It's good to have you. Um, I want you to know that this, this is not about being a separatist. This is not about being an elitist and saying, well, no, we don't hang out with all those, those, those horrible sinners or, or the people that worship other gods or they have other worldviews and philosophies. Man, we don't spend our time with, with those people. That is not what this is saying. If you look at the story of the Bible, it's actually saying the complete opposite because God has come into this world because He loves the world. He loves the pagans. He loves the polytheists. He loves the agnostics. He loves the atheists. And He wants to pour that into our heart so that we will love the pagans and the polytheists and the agnostics and the atheists. And, and, we'll, and we'll, we will not separate ourselves, but you will never, ever love them the way God loves them if you compromise your faith in the real God. So it's vital. It's vital that you have the right relationship so that you can love this world. Really love this world. Some of you here are not married. I'm, I'm telling you, this story is it's for you. And God wants you to, to never compromise. He wants you to press into Him. He doesn't want you to separate yourself out from the world, but He wants you to find a godly wife or find a godly husband. Let me jump ahead though a little bit. If you're not married in here, you will never find a godly wife, men, if you're not a godly man. Ladies, you will never find a godly husband unless you're a godly woman. Because you... Don't attract to yourself what you desire. You attract to yourself what you are. You with me? You don't attract to yourself what you desire. You attract to yourself what you are. And so for you to be able to find someone that loves Jesus with all their heart and is on mission and believes in the destiny that God has for them, it's better, that better be your heart and your passion. Right? I'm not saying you've got to be perfect to win a godly wife or a godly husband. It's all about the heart. There's some of you guys, man, you're new Christians. You're new to the faith. Or, or maybe you've been a Christian for a while, but you've never really grown until now. You know, and I, so I'm not saying, well, you've got you to have your, a seminary degree and you've got to have read through the, the Bible 50 times before somebody's going to like you. Or lo- no, it's about the heart. Is your heart turned to God and towards His mission? Because if that's the case, you'll attract somebody that their heart is for Jesus. It's not about your accomplishments and, and, you know, and about your great works. 
It's about your heart for God and all that stuff should come, should come in the trail after that. So, uh, we love, man, we, we love people that aren't, aren't Christians. We, don't, we should not condemn those that are not Christians. We all are deserving of being condemned. None of us deserves Jesus. And so we're just all people that are just saying, man, I didn't deserve Jesus, but he, he loved me and saved me. He died for me and He saved me. And so I just want to call you guys to the same Jesus because there's no hope outside of Him. That, that's the love of Jesus and the love of mission for this world. Another note on this, though, is that the reason why Abe was so emphatic about this is because Abe had already had a failed experiment on having a wife that wasn't a godly wife with Hagar. And he saw what happened to his loved son as a result of his compromise. Him as the leader of his family. I'm not, I'm not blaming Hagar. But he, he's like, man, never again. Never again. And for Isaac... We will not, we will not let, let, that, let him go down that path. So verse 10. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels, not cigarettes, and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. Um, you can look this up. Some people, I mean, if, if you're like, man, oh, can I trust the Bible? Look, I mean, you can look. There's uh, annals. I, I, I could help you if you want. If you want more research? That there's uh, the, the ancient stuff in Mesopotamia. You can pointing to this old this old city or town of I think they even call it Nahur. But uh, he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. Um, Ten camels, ten camels, loaded up with gifts and riches. Okay? Now, now guys, the journey that he was about to make, or that he'd made, was over 500 miles, with ten camels full of treasure, going down roads where there was marauders and people that would steal and kill. Okay? This was a risky task that Eleazar had. He was offering his life for the mission of God and for the love of Abraham. See, this is a man that he didn't have an inheritance. He, this is, so, so this is a thing where it's not blood that tied them together, but it was, it was employment, it was, it was marketplace that drew them together, and it was friendship. And community, you know, it kind of sounds like people within a church. People within a spiritual family together. They would just say, you know what, man? God has a mission. And, and if I'm to give my life and put my life on the line for His mission and do it for you and for your family, I'm willing to do it. It's about, it's about people that understand that, man, it's not just about me. It's not just about my family but it's, we're to be a family together, you know, within the context of sojourn. Man, that's God's dream, is that there's nobody that's isolated. There's nobody just kind of doing life on their own, but that we're tied in, and, and that it's not just somebody from, from kind of your life station. You know, if, you're, if you're, you're single and just out of college, it's not, it's, don't spend all your time with people your age. 
Man, definitely hang out with people that are in your peer group that will challenge you. But you know what, man? You need to be around some parents. You need to be around some grandparents. You need to be trickle-down discipleship to where you're spending some time with, with high school students, middle school, yeah, um, elementary, to where, man, you're getting, the, you're getting the full gambit of life. If you come from, you know, an up, you know, middle, middle class, and you need to hang out with some people that are in lower class and upper class and, and all those as well. We need to say, God, what, what would it look like? What do you dream about a people that are willing to risk life on mission together? And, and Man, do I have it figured out? No, I don't. Frust- I frustrate myself sometimes because I don't have the community thing worked out. Do we as a church have it figured out? Man, far, far from it. But does God have a dream for us? And is He informing us with the gospel? And is He doing some incredible things in us starting to pour into one another's lives? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful what God's doing. And I invite you into that. I invite you into the, real, the very imperfect story that we're, that we're trying to walk out together. So five plus, 500 plus miles. If He did it alone, just Him and His ten camels, He could move at a pretty quick pace at about 25 miles a day. That'd get him get there in about 21 days, about three-week journey. Most likely he went in a caravan because that would have been safer, and they, they move at about 17 miles per day, and so that would take around a month, a month, a month just to, just to get there. And as we'll see in a minute, man, he got there and, you know, turned right back around, you know. That's, that's someone who knows what it means to be determined. Someone who says, you know, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. I think God wants to whisper that in our hearts today. He's like, you know what? Just, Dave, just whatever it takes, just be willing. Whatever, whatever it, that comes, then it's like, you know what? Wow, that seems way beyond my abilities. But God, you're, you're leading me into it. Just to say, all right, God, I'll take the risk do whatever it takes for your glory and for your story. Verse 12, and he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show show steadfast love to my master Abraham. He begins to pray. Behold, I'm standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw the water. Let the young woman to whom I say, please let your jar, please let down your jar that I may drink, And who shall say, drink and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you've shown steadfast love to my master. And so you've got anywhere from three weeks to a month that Eleazar is just like, okay, it's coming. What's this going to be like? What am I going to find? How am I going to find this woman? You know, can you imagine? And so he finally gets, he gets into the, he gets into Nahor, he gets to a place where, I mean, the camels, you know, and, and you know when they, when they, when they've been out for a while and hadn't drunk, you know their, their big humps, they kind of sag because that's where they keep all the water, right? No, I'm just kidding, you know that. It's, the cartoons uh, taught me that. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're, they're coming in, the, the, he's thirsty, they're thirsty, it's time to uh, replenish themselves. And, and he prays, he prays to God. It's like, God, God, uh, there's all these ladies that are coming down. They're coming down. It's, it's the, the cool of the night's about to take place. There's all these ladies come down. God, it would be great if you would just kind of put a highlighter on one of these and 
she'd be the one we could we could engage. He prays, and and I and I want to point out a couple of things about his about his prayers. I, I, there's probably more than two options of looking at this, but here's here's two options um, in this prayer that that he gives. The uh, first option would be that he was led by God to pray that very thing, because it was uh, it was very specific, wasn't it? You know, he's like he's like you know, all right, God, all right, all these women are here, and and God, if you would just let the one that's in this city, if she would come up to me and offer crazy as she would have to be to water all the camels, you know, let her be the one. Let that happen. And, uh, and so, again, it, it's, it's option one is God led him to do that. And, and I, I believe that the more we get to know God, um, the more we press into Him, the more we immerse ourselves into Scripture, the more specific we're able to pray. Because we're not just praying from our head and our heart, but we've start, we start getting to know God's mind and His heart. And, and we're able just to declare His heart. And, and I don't mean that you get enough knowledge to where you just know, but just you're close enough to Him that he, just, he reveals what His heart is. And you start praying what His heart is. You start praying the heart of God. So... That's one option here. Now, the other option was it was his idea. And he was just very specific. And God met him there. But God, God loved him enough that with this very specific prayer of this man of faith, I mean, he's, he's, he's a picture of, of Abraham. And I'm just saying, man, God, I just trust you. I trust you. And, and I've got to find her. I mean, that's the deal. It's like, I've got to find her somehow. Some of you guys, you're, you're like, you're, you know, you're like me back when in high school. I'm like, I gotta find her. I gotta find her. Is she, is she in Grissom? You know, and there's great, great ladies in Grissom, but she wasn't in Grissom. She was in Miami. And we're like, well, how am I gonna find her? Some of you parents, you know, you're out there like, you know, with the personality of this son of mine, I don't know how in the world we're gonna find. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to send emissaries out, all over. We're gonna have to go 500 miles. To find, find the right one, you know? But God meets us. He meets us. And I'm telling you, especially when you're out there, out on a limb of faith, and God will meet you. He will meet you. I'm not saying that you can just concoct whatever, whatever little uh, prayer that you want. Like, okay, God, check this box and this box and this box and this box and this box, and I'll know that that's the case. Many times God will say, no, that's not faith, that's sight. And I want to build your faith up. I want you to trust me, not in some formula. You all with me? Reject, reject the theologies, the doctrines, the people that will teach, man, if you just do this, 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 God will always do this. That's not the way, that's not the way God works. Except things where He talks about that in Scripture. Scripture, but but when it comes to stuff like this, but I love that I love that God, he he stoops. You know, he's like he looks at us, and I'm not saying it's not out of pity, but out of love. God's like, you know what? He's trusting me, and I and I'm going to meet him right there. And either I'm going to I'm going to act upon what he's saying, or I'm going to reveal something else. And you can you can bank on that. That God, he will he'll meet you with what you're presenting to Him, or, or He'll reveal something else to you, or He'll reveal it to somebody that's speaking into your life, through prayer, through the Word, 
God will do it. But, but, here's, but here's, here's something about the, the word for prayer that's used here. Um, Hebrew word, I, I think it's pronounced amar. Um, I'm, I'm no Hebrew scholar. But that word for prayer there was not a technical term. It wasn't, it wasn't this, this incredibly you know, manipulated uh, prayer that, that had all the, the right words and, and high and, and mighty. It was a word that meant conversation. That Eleazar, servant, employee of Abraham, he knew God well enough, had been discipled by his pastor, Abraham, well enough that he didn't, he didn't have to go through he didn't have to go through a bunch of hoops to get to God. He just began to speak to God. Some of y'all in here, I'm telling you, man, you're just like, ah, man, I, I just, Dave, I, I don't know what you know, and so I, I can't pray. Yes, you can. God stoops. Just talk. Just talk to Him. And he will meet you there. Now we get to Rebecca in the story. And I'm going to fly through, fly through, some, uh, through some text here. Verse 15, before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, please give me a little water to drink from your jar. So he just goes up to her and just asks for her just to give him a, him just a little bit to drink. And her response, drink my Lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they had have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. And she drew for all his camels. You guys, again... You got the camels and their humps are laid over because they're empty. It's, but they're, I mean, they've just finished three weeks or a month, you know, of a big journey, these ten camels. I mean, it, Moses, Moses is an amazing writer that, that you really, you know, if you dig in and see, see what, See how he words things. It's, it's pretty amazing. He made special notation about her going down and coming back up. That's basically saying there's probably a big, a big um, staircase going down to a spring or to a big well. You know, I mean, so, I mean, some of you guys, you know, you exercise and you use weights. Or some, you may even use big jugs filled with water or with sand or rocks and stuff like that. And maybe you lift them up here. You do clean and jerks with them. You know, or, but, but I mean, these ladies, man, they would get these things and they'd put them on the shoulder or up on their head. Can you imagine going up and down a bunch of steps? I mean, Moses is telling, he's describing this servitude, this servant's heart of Rebecca for this stranger. And she does that however many times it takes with a, this jar that she's able to carry, it's probably the maximum, you know, close to the maximum she could carry when it's full of water. And she does it over and over and over again till the camels are no longer thirsty. Man, it's amazing. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. 
When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a, a, a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels and said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I'm daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, We have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness towards my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman. And so she's, she's serving them. She's hospitable. She offered them shelter and food. She even offered food and water to the camels and a place for them to be safe. A love for a stranger. A love for a neighbor. She's a lady of faith. Lady of faith. Eleazar, in the midst of seeing this and finding out that she's actually the relative. She's relatives with his master, Abraham. And she invites them in to come and to take care. He, he just has no other response but to stop and to worship God. He prays to God and praises God. I, I, would, I would imagine right there in front of her that, that he just stops and just says, God, you are so good. You know? Can you imagine what's going, going on through his heart? Where he's, he's like, God, I, I, I didn't know if I was, I didn't know how all this was going to turn out. I, all I could do was have faith in you. And God, you did not let me down. You guys, I, I, we're, we're going we're gonna to hit the, the last part of this story next week. Um, but I, I want you to know, because some of y'all are kind of in the middle of a story right now. You're in the middle of a, of a, of a of faith or lack thereof. You're, you're in the middle of, of dreams and aspirations and, and, and you may be kind of at the beginning where you're kind of being set, set on that journey or you may be in, in the middle of the, the 500 miles that are being traveled or maybe you're right there and you're like, okay, well, I, I'm, I'm here, I'm, 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 I'm at the place but the key elements haven't taken, haven't, haven't transpired. They, they haven't hit yet. And, and so it's like, okay, all these things I've been working towards and all these things where I've been hoping that I'm, I'm, I'm doing these for God's glory or I know that I'm doing some of it for me. It's like, this is the crucial moment. I'm, it's like, God, I'm a little nervous here. Please don't let me down. Please don't let me down. And I want you to know, God's not going to let you down. What He will do is He will refine, he'll refine the vision, he'll refine your understanding of what God is doing uh, in your life. He will show where, you know, he sets you over here and you started that way, but you kind of ended up over here. And, and, and to, to the best of your mind and heart, you're like, I think this is right. And he's going to say, no, 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 no. You, you missed that turn at Albuquerque and now you're over here and you're, you're messed up. But I love you enough that I'm not going to I'm not going to just let you keep going that way. I, we're going to, I'm going to reveal things to you that get you stepped right back over here. God, God loves us. And when we, get, when we get off path, He says, I, I'll still stoop. I'll still meet you right here. Now, 
most of y'all, man, you're, you're my brothers and sisters. You're already part of the family of God. And God's doing some things to press you forward in mission and community or, or in marriage or in raising kids or, or thinking towards marriage someday and towards kids and towards whatever it is He's doing. You're working towards your degrees and, and, and the career path and all that. And you're just like, oh, this is incredible. God's doing a work in your life. But, but there's, there's, a, there's a few. There's a few of you guys that you're not a Christian and, and you know it. And I want you to know that you are on a path, you are on a sojourn in your life. But you will not have peace. You will not have meaning. You will not, you will not live the way God intended for you to live until you surrender to the God of Abraham. Until you say, you know what? I've sojourned long enough with me as the map maker and as the guide. Lord, I place the map down. God, I want, I want whatever map that you give me. And if you keep me going in this path, that's where I want to go. God, if you change my path altogether, and you make, you make me more uncomfortable than I've ever been, then God, I want to go where you want to go. Because this is not about my life and my story. It's about your life, Jesus, and it's about your story, Jesus. It's not about my name and my fame and my glory, but Jesus, it's about your name and your fame and your glory. Is there anybody in here that you're like, I'll sign up for that. I want that. You Christians, just, just to continue your surrender process to say, Jesus, I want that. I know I really I want my own glory too, but I want that to be extinguished. I want your glory. My hope is that for you guys who are Christians, that right now God be working and transforming you and drawing you nearer to him for his story that he's got for you and for any of my friends in here that you're not a Christian and come to Jesus come to Jesus and he he is powerful he's beautiful his story is his story when it envelops your story will make your story have real meaning. Pray with me. Lord, uh,